Jack. This podcast is scheduled for one fall. With a 60-minute time limit coming out of the black corner, a combined weight of 666 pounds recorded to you from Industry 4. I'm your boy Xander Hobbs. This is... I'm Bobby Wild Wings B. And once again, we're bringing another edition of the... Wrestleocalypse. It is upon us like jerk sauce. Like jerk sauce. I love it. I love it. We've got um, a full deal of wrestling to unpack before we get into cool shit there's a lot of moving pieces going around so we're going to start off with the wwe and let's just get it going hot yeah man you know oftentimes i call myself bobby b and the b is for business and one of the biggest uh those somehow i feel underreported uh events have happened and that is the man ari emmanuel has said sayonara to the booker vince mcmahon uh you know, he gave a lot of lip service before this uh, TKO deal was put through about Vince being the man and what Vince wants, Vince is going to get, yada, yada, yada. But, uh, you know, you got to do what's good for business. And what's good for business right now is having Triple H at the Creative Reigns, having continuity, having good programming. And that's, that's what right. they're getting, coincidentally no, or not. No, it's a it's a good call. I'm a, I'm liking this guy already. And um we can see that as, as the shows that progress through the week that we have straight up Triple H booking. Um, Raw was good. Uh, did you watch Raw? Yeah, I watched Raw. Yeah, I Raw. Thought, go ahead. You know, I was going to say, yeah, I, I liked Raw. Um, there's a lot of moving parts with Raw right now, which makes it more interesting than it usually is. It's still tough, though. Three hours is just a long time to It's a long time for anything, dude. Like, Three hours is just too much, and I just can't. I watch the condensed version on Hulu, so I don't get like the whole three hours of it. They just give you the stuff that's worth watching, and you just go through it. But as far as sitting through anything for three hours, you're not going to find me doing that unless it's like a football game or something. Yeah, and I mean, like, probably my only nit to pick with Raw is I don't know what what's up with the title swapping, you know. It, it's been leaked to some of the WWE preferred dirt sheets that this isn't just hot shot booking. This is actually has a long-term story to it. Um, well, they have to prove it at this point because I don't see it. Yeah. Switching the titles back and forth. I know that's something they did back in the attitude era, but like, this is a different era. And if you're going to do long storm, long term storytelling, then I don't see how that necessitates swapping the titles back and forth. I think, like I've said before, it devalues the titles. It makes them mean less. And I just don't, I think you can tell stories. I think that's a cop out. And I think you can tell stories without having to do that. Yeah. And like, uh, I think we were chatting about it earlier, you know, it, what it's done is it's elevated the bloodline storyline, non-title storylines above the tag team titles and you know exactly that's a problem because the bottom line is the bloodline goes as roman reigns goes and he only shows up every once every four weeks and that's his right that's fine whatever but and you can do that with the bloodline story because you've got all these other moving parts that are going but to 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 diminish the title in service of that story i think is a mistake Right, especially when they've worked so hard to reestablish the prestige of the titles. You know, they had the Usos carrying those titles for however long they did. 
being the longest reigning champions of all time. And then now, since that story, that piece of the story is over, they're switching. I feel like they don't know what to do with them. So they're switching them back and forth. That's usually what they, that's usually a sign of, you know, not having all your eggs in a basket is when you're going to switching the titles back and forth. I can know I keep saying it, but it's what's happening. Yeah, definitely. I really enjoyed Sami Zayn's work on Raw. I like the callback. I like the continuity. Him struggling, disappointed that Jey Uso coming to Raw and the Kevin Owens went to SmackDown. Like that's something we haven't had in WWE for a long time. No, it's just like it's a simple thing to do, and they've got a good guy in Sammy who's able to execute it. So, like that overall. I mean, Raw was good. It was a good show to watch. Um, the Nakamura and Ricochet match was fine. Um, so that's Seth where Nakamura is back then. Now, so now he had a title feud, and now he's back in the mid card with Ricochet. So that's what's going on. I don't know. I if Nakamura doesn't care, then I don't care. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, and we're we're rolling up to the Rollins McIntyre uh, Crown Jewel match. Um, I think with everything we know about uh, Seth Rollins at this point, any big match he has, there's always now going to be the possibility of that. He's going to drop the title and take some time off. Right. Like it's, it seems to be any minute now. And then with Damien priest with money in the bank, that's always a issue that's going to happen or that has potential to happen, I should say. But I think the match with drew McIntyre and Seth Rollins will be good. I, I, like I said, I like this new coat of paint that drew McIntyre has that he's just kind of out for himself. And I'm excited to see what happens when they finally do pull the trigger and he goes does go full-blown heel because he's kind of playing the tweener role right now. Yeah, and then I did like the developing story with uh, Johnny Wrestling. Not to be mistaken with Johnny TV, who we'll talk about a little bit. But Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Gargano, um, he got beat by Ludwig Kaiser and then Gunter beat Bronson Reed and specifically called out uh, he, he, he wants Johnny Gargano on a stretcher. So, um, you know, I feel in some ways they're, they're running into this thing where they're struggling to get good feuds for Gunter, but I think Gunter works well. Like, I think he's good as like the nefarious leader of this heel faction, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like we always talk about the intercontinental title as a workhorse title, but how it's how WWE is now, it's actually Seth Rollins' title that's the workhorse title, right? And you know, so Gunter, he maybe doesn't need to do it as much, but I'm keeping my eye on that. Uh, Rhea Ripley, Shayna Baszler it looks like it's going to be a thing. Um, but I guess what, uh, Adam Pierce said that Ripley is actually going to defend her title, um, in a fatal five way match. Five way, five way yeah. Which lazy is lazy booking. booking, lazy fucking booking. <laughs> so, um, you know, Triple H, we give him give him his flowers because he deserves it, but we're not we're not gonna just uh, overlook these some of these bad decisions. A um, couple other thoughts I had, uh, dude. Paul Heyman is doing his finest work. Yeah, you know, he is. Like tonight when Jey Uso confronted him, I thought that segment was gold. It was hilarious um paul Heyman is he's just great all the time but he's really hitting his stride here i i just i love it like this slimy swiveling heel that he is and 
it's cool. Like it gives it gives Heyman's the guy that can carry it while Reigns isn't there. So it's smart to have him like pop up all over the place. Yeah, and if, and and like he has to be there for Sokoa. Right. So it's like if you believe that Sokoa is part of this future and you want to help build like long-term momentum, like it's it's a smart move. I liked how he is like his hair color has changed. Yeah. LA Knight today recognized that, which was I think was great. Um oh yeah, it was LA Knight and um Paul Heyman. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um so overall, like SmackDown looks pretty good. I haven't caught it, I just caught the results, but I feel like there's gonna be, you know, I mean there's gonna be good matches and good, you know, there's gonna be matches that check all three of the big boxes on the Crown Jewel and you know, I think that they WWE has done a good job lately under Triple H's reigns to really have matches that you're interested in across the gamut from the entertaining matches where you get something like Logan Paul and, and Ricochet to the mid card matches to some of the fan service matches to like your main card stuff. Like there's all like they all like. You, even if they aren't going to be the best matches, there's actually a storyline there that maybe right. you want to be watching. And so that's cool. I like that. So I, I think WWE, um, you know, we've talked about it a lot. Uh, they're kind of humming on all stoners as good as they can, considering the roster size and the, the amount of programming they have to do every single week. No, exactly. Exactly. But um, did you have any final thoughts on WWE before we move on? Just really impressed with NXT. Over the last yeah, NXT, four or five weeks. NXT has been great, like front to back. Um, the women's breakout tournament is humming along. That's been pretty good seeing who the next stop is. And um, yeah, just the main focus of the people like Braun Breaker, Carmelo Hayes, Trick Williams, even Dirty Dom, who's in there. Like those are all people. Dragunov. Dragon, of course, the champion Dragunov. I could, how could I forget? And um, this new person that uh, Becky Lynch is going up against, the the other Irish lady, I forget what her name is, but that's looking to be like a pretty cool match because they both kind of came up, came up like not together, but came up from the same place. Mm-hmm. So they got some history there. That's always a good thing when you're booking these matches to get people more invested. And um, they're, well, I don't remember what the new pay, the pay-per-view that they're going to be doing is. I don't Oh, it's Halloween Havoc. That's going to be right. two shows, two weeks. So that's going to shape to be good. We'll be covering that. But yeah, NXT firing on all cylinders. Great job, Shawn Michaels. Yeah, definitely. Definitely good. I mean, it's it's funny because I totally agree with every single meme that says the world was better when everybody was going around crotch shopping. I agree with that. But it's crazy. It's full circle. And now you have Shawn Michaels and Triple H. like really steering the main products here yeah. and like it's a lot better i mean we obviously have love for the attitude era for a lot of reasons but like actually as bookers and developing talent and everything they're doing a phenomenal job yeah well these are two of the best that you know laced them up so they... yeah they've also done a lot of things in their career that you would be suspect of their ability to well, yeah, I mean, right. those guys are two big politickers. So, you know, they have their favorites and it shows even like today. So, you know, with 
a lot of people coming back that Vince cut, which is some worked out, some not so much, but that's how they're that's how they're running the ship right now. So as all in all, for the most part, it's been a good job. It has been. It has been. Unfortunately, somebody who has not been doing quite as good job is your main man, my main man, Tony Khan. AEW is stuck in the mud. He's doing stupid things on social media. They're making bad storyline decisions at wrong times. And it's like he can't get out of his way. The backstage drama can't get out of its way. They've they've lost control of the message, man. Well, it's just like. I was listening to some other stuff, people talking about Tony Khan and everything like that. It's like the guy just doesn't know how to book and he doesn't know how to like write TV. And the thing is, you can be like the biggest. We're pro wrestling fans. We're huge wrestling fans. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we can run a company and run weekly TV because that is an art form. And Tony Khan just doesn't have it at this point. And I don't know what's I don't know the answer to what's going to make this right. Because AEW just keeps taking a nosedive and they're they're not really regaining momentum. Yeah, they're not. And and a couple things I think they're throwing out there to try to help. Obviously, I think they're disappointed in the ratings response that um Adam Copeland coming did. But the problem is like when they're comparing it to when CM Punk came, which was like a pretty giant surprise. Yes. Versus everybody had leaked that Edge was was going to be at that pay-per-view and was signing with AEW. Yeah, and let's put it into perspective here. Um, Adam Copeland has been wrestling now for a little bit here and there, so people know of him and stuff like that. But CM Punk was out for seven years, and people didn't think he would get back in the ring ever. So, of course, that's going to be like a big... Um, a bigger hit than Edge or Adam, I should say. But the right. problem is, though, when CM Punk came and then the initial gloss was off, then the ratings went right back down to normal. So it's not a problem with the talent. They have talent. It's the direction that they put them in. And the direct and he's just you. he makes gets these guys to come out, gets this huge pop. Then we don't hear for them for like three weeks to a month. And then he gets another next guy, wash, rinse, repeat. And it just, how are you, how are we as fans supposed to get invested into this product when we don't see the guys that we want to see? Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. And then he does things like having the back to back pay per views in, a, in two weeks, like, which doesn't make any sense. I'm sorry, bro. Like the average. The average family, right? And that's what you really want. You're hoping there's a dad who's like, you know, our age and showing wrestling to his kids. Like they can't $125, $130 in a month for like yeah. television shows, really? Like the, the the average person can't do that. Like me, who doesn't have any kids or anything or any of those other kind of responsibilities, I still have a hard time paying for back-to-back pay-per-views. Not because I can't, because I don't want to. Well, yeah, you're asking, like, it's such a big ask of your fans. And you're not in, you know, I think, like, we were talking about earlier this week. It's like, they shouldn't even have a weekly show. I would would be more willing to spend $120 on one. 
They're going to give you five hours of wrestling on every pay-per-view anyway. Just do cool pay-per-views. It's like, because that's what sucks. Like every time they do a pay-per-view, you're like, damn, that pay-per-view was awesome. Match is great. Like, duh. even though the build sucked, like the whole thing went well. And then the show comes and the dynamite and the collision and the rampage and the just crazy booking. Like, who's Nick Wayne? Why is he getting like sit downs? And then John Moxley's bleeding again. And Chris Jericho's what? Like, yeah. And the thing and is, it all gets lost. And then the pay per view comes and it's awesome. And that's what's weird because the equate the math ain't mathing because what the the shows or TV shows are supposed to do is to set up for the pay per view. The TV sets up for the pay per view, gets you to want to watch the pay per view. We I just end up watching it because I'm a fan of wrestling. So, but like the average person, they want to you want to give them a reason. What is said? What do we? What do we say? Why do we? Why do we care? Do we care about this? Do we care about pay, buying this product to? you know advance these storylines and then they don't they don't seem to do it you can have a cool pay-per-view but what about the follow-up what's going to get me to watch next week and the week after that that's the problem i it was a fucking chore to watch dynamite today and Dude, it, the, the case in point right is wardlow oh yeah like they brought him back like i don't know what is he's had four squash matches now he just yeah, but he's just, he's got his wrist wraps with MJF written on it. But yeah, right. like there's nothing to it. It's just like, it's like, what are we doing here? Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's a mess. And I want to see it do well because that doing well is good for like everybody that's involved in pro wrestling from the fans to the workers and everybody in between. And the thing is, this ship is sinking in AEW. Like it's getting progressively worse. and. It's I'm getting like I'm not quite getting 2000 WCW vibes, but it's getting close to that. Yeah, I mean, the hard thing is, it's like in the end, it's like. As 2000 WCW. I don't know, I still feel that like Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and the talent they have there. Like, I think they're. Closer to their prime than to the stars that 2002 wcw was relying on yeah but like i was said before it's the talent that they have isn't a problem it's the captain of the ship right and that's like you know we had talked it's like the young bucks and kenny omega and the elite they've gotten a lot of shit especially from the pro cm punk faction right who feel that like yeah well this you know they didn't respect him or whatever 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 i don't know but when you look at all these guys, like there's no more Tully Blanchard. There's no more William Regals. Like those people, when they had the opportunity, they wanted to either leave Tony Khan or go back to WWE or go somewhere else and do something else. And that's, and I feel like perhaps that somebody in the organization, when they're talking to these, these reporters, we're kind of throwing the elite under the bus in a way. To protect Tony Khan, but in the end, Tony Khan needed to handle that fucking CM Punk situation. Get those assholes to sit down in a room and do business. Exactly. That's what I That's was... what Vincent K. McMahon would have fucking done. Exactly. And you know, the fact that they didn't do that, and it's just like, you know, giving us all this lip service and everything, it just shows that this 
this company is in disarray. And the problem is I don't see it getting any better. There's not been one like shining moment. I've been like, oh, let me I, let me go catch this this week. I just I just I catch it so I can cover it and bring it out to you guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I would say, um, I don't know. MJF is fucking gold. Yeah, love MJF. Um, so they got that going for them. Um, Yeah, so MJF, MJF's doing good. So that's that's about it. And and and, and like you know, it's a disservice to Daniel Bryan to not have this, to not have your shit together. Exactly. If this is going to be his last year of full time wrestling. Tony Khan owes it to him and owes it to all of his fans and fans of wrestling in general to like have your shit in order for the next eleven months to make sure that like he is one for your own good. Like he's going to drive your ratings. He's going to get eyeballs. He's fucking the American Dragon, right? Right. And he has that crossover appeal. They still the fucking crowd still yeses for him. Yep. So it's like, get your shit in order. Get the good get the matches lined up for him. Like and obviously he I'm sure he has a big say in it, you know. As no, well, which no. I don't I'm okay with him having a say in it. But like also Tony, like the bookers have to edit this talent, man. They do. They can't just let these guys do what they want. No, because it's like they're not TV writers. They're fucking pro wrestlers. Exactly. So, I mean, maybe hire Freddie Prince Jr. He might Somebody. Be I'm not sure. But anything else you wanted to add on to that? Um, just some rumors I saw. Uh, there's a lot of heat around the CM Punk to WWE based on some promotional materials that, like, USA Network and shit has been doing. I don't really buy too much into it. I think that's always part of the wrestling game. But I did see that there is a little bit of a groundswell uh, rumors about him showing up on Impact. Yeah, I heard it's something about that. Of I- all the things that CM Punk could do to like kind of wash over the AEW thing is if he goes to Impact and like has a really positive contribution to make. Yeah, I just don't know if Impact can afford him. Maybe they're gonna give him ownership or something. Who knows? Uh, yeah, maybe. Maybe he realizes that like he's that he probably doesn't have another big money contract that's not gonna be tied to like the reality is he he left ugly the last two companies he worked for. That, exactly. Like, I don't under, I don't see who is gonna wanna put up with that, especially like impact like because the the they're willing to roll the dice, right? Well, that'd be a huge get for them to get CM Punk, but like giant dude yeah but i just i'm not gonna believe anything until i see it in front of my face i agree and the other thing is like he's he's fucking old he's gonna get injured right because he's gotten injured the past like how many times he's wrestled yeah exactly so that i saw i thought that was interesting um i also thought it was interesting that edge was dropping the uh tokyo dome i think he he dropped okada's name you know, which is this, this, there's that underlying cool thing about these, these wrestlers when they come over to AW and now they have this opportunity when they're working with WWE, they didn't have. Right. Do I want to see Edge versus Okada? No, not really. No. But I like the fact that like that elevates New Japan Pro Wrestling. No, yeah, you're right. So but, I like that. But no, do I want to see that match? No, but I think no. that's cool that they're showing that respect and they can, you know. 
No, for sure. I get it. I think probably we're more likely to see, I don't know, fucking Adam Copeland versus Minoru Suzuki in a chop fest. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm so sick of those. It's like every Eddie Kingston match now. Now, every single time. And I like Eddie Kingston, but that's like, that just is just so stupid. Yeah, but he's got heat. Eddie Kingston, I think he's got the rubber legs down really well now. Like, because that seems to be the go-to thing, right? Eventually he gets the rubber rubber legs and like drops down, takes a few more chops, but then gets up. Yeah. But anyways, we're going to put, we're going to, we're going to chop this first half done. 8.30 on the dot. We are running on time. We're going to hit this cool interlude. We're going to take a quick powder and we're coming back. It is the coolest shit this side of the Mississippi. back with your favorite segment my favorite segment bobby's favorite segment and the dark lord's favorite segment what do we like to call it cool shit and cool shit always leads off with the motherfucking mailbag so let's hop right into it word we got the first question comes from oliver peck's toothpick i'm going back to 2014 and a wrestler named adam rose i know he started out as leo Kruger but he got repackaged into Adam Rose. I just want to know what you guys thought of the gimmick. I don't even, I mean. Yeah. So when he was Leo Kruger, he had this like hitman hunter gimmick. And then when they repackaged him into Adam Rose, he rose, he took on this like Russell brand party guy. He had these bunch of people with them, the Rosebuds, and they're on this bus called the exotic express. And it was like, he was just this party guy. Um, I liked the gimmick. I thought it was cool. It had a low ceiling, but I thought it worked for a bit. And then they kind of like switched gears on it because it wasn't as over as it was in NXT. So they kind of like buried it. I thought it was cool. Like I just, I think they could have done something else with the gimmick when they turned him heel. They could have had like the rosebuds and him all disheveled from partying and stuff like that and kind of made it into something else. But I I didn't have a problem with it. I thought it was fun. I think wrestling needs that sometimes, you know, you did those fun, happy go lucky gimmicks. I thought it worked for the time. Um, But, and it got a lot of uh, stars that we know now over like Braun Strowman was a rosebud. Becky Lynch was one. Um, Justin Gabriel was the bunny. So, you know, it did its part. But as far as like if he that had like main events on it, I didn't I didn't think so. But it was good for what it was. Yeah, I remember Adam Rose. I didn't I didn't I'm not familiar with the Leo Kruger gimmick. 
which I think you have to say, obviously, that Adam Rose was repackaging was very successful. Right. Right. And I think that, you yeah. know, and I think like that's the unfortunate. Like, you know, it's almost like being typecasted when you get when you get in a situation like this where your character has a low ceiling. Like, you know, it's really hard to break through that when that's what you're given. Like, not everybody's L.A. Knight and can go from, you know, Maxwell male models to the fucking number one merch seller right exactly so but like at the same time there's something to be said about turning chicken shit into chicken salad there's something to be said about you know if this was an nba team we would be talking about adam rose is like oh man he was like the fucking six man of the year look at all these people he put over everybody he played with got better you know i think we take that into account and like I don't know. We haven't seen him on dark side of the ring yet either. And that's a plus. So yeah, that's always a plus, you know? So again, I think it was successful. And I think one of the problems is it's like the question for Adam Rose wasn't, am I going to be Adam Rose or John Cena? Sometimes Adam Rose is the best that you're going to get. Right. Yeah. So props to this guy who ran with it. Yeah. He did what he could with it. So on to the next yeah, Tony the Tigger. T-I double got er. I was wondering what you guys thought of Lacey Evans and her run in WWE. I thought it had potential, but there were a lot of stop and starts to her booking. My question is, where do you guys think she fell off being that her ceiling seemed to be pretty high? Um, well, for one, putting her in that bad feud with uh her and baron corbin against seth rollins and becky lynch that was no good and then they kept switching her gimmicks so first she was like the southern bell type and then she went into her military roots and then you didn't see her on tv then she got into this thing where rick flair impregnated her it was just like nothing really that she could sink her teeth into i thought she had the potential to go pretty far but Apparently they didn't, and she had a lot of backstage heat and stuff like that. So I don't. So that could have been a where she dropped off. But other than that, just you know, the killer of all people with potential is just to, is just stopping and starting their pushes, um, switching their gimmicks too quick, and it's like it leaves the fans confused on whether they want to cheer for her or boo her. So it makes it leaves fans indifferent, and that's the kiss of death. Yeah, and I definitely think also like, you know, we've talked about it to why like everybody kind of seems vanilla, but it's like, you know, when you take stands and when you run your mouth on social media, you're that bleeds into the reaction you get from the crowd, and it puts you in jeopardy of whatever you're doing right like yeah and so we saw we've talked a lot about seth rollins he kind of had to go away for a little bit and and i think Lacey Evans kind of fell into that as well yeah and i thought they went they like every single gimmick she had was an extreme it was like extreme southern bell and then it was like i'm extreme military and then like i'm sergeants i'm gonna do the you know i'm sergeant slaughters whatever and like i just you know, the starting and the stopping, the constant change of gimmicks. It was just, you know, 
they they saw the ceiling they just didn't know what to do with her exactly so i mean that's just what it, what it is and from my understanding i think she i saw a thing that she's like doing some subscriber based content yeah she, she, owns, she owns like some bakery or some shit so yeah she's doing fine so, yeah you know no worries about that yeah and also to be honest like i would say you know she was she served the country she was the military police and sometimes going in trying to like just rely on that as your character and i don't think this is her fault i'm saying from like a booking standpoint it's like oh they're former military let's just make a military it's like that does a disservice to them you know it's like treat them just like another normal person yeah that's the problem and then just nobody seemed to care about her so that's just like i said that's the big kiss of death in pro wrestling if no one cares couldn't check the couldn't check the third box no one cares all right well you know who who consistently people do care about from the from tokyo to los angeles to new york city is the motherfucking bullet club and this comes Uh, from bullet club for la vida I've been a fan of Ink Master as well for a long time, and I'm getting closer to wanting a tattoo of my own. Do you guys have any tips to what I should get or direction you think I should go? So I have no tattoos, so I feel like I should take this one, obviously. What I would just say is be happy with your canvas, your body before you get a tattoo and just be comfortable with yourself. Don't think that like, if I get this tattoo, I'm going to look so much cooler. Because I just don't think that's realistic. No, and it's kind of a personal question because I don't know what you're into. And, you know, you kind of want to make a tattoo be personal and like remind you of something. I've got a few and I can tell you why I got all every single one of them. But you want to make sure it's something you really want because it's going to be on you for the rest of your life. I'm sure you already know that. And whatever you do, here's some one advice don't pick anything off the wall like that's i've seen people do that and that's just so bad like wall flash tattoos are just awful like they have no meaning they're vanilla it's just and if you find yourself out on the town one night and you want to do that be my guest but that's just the advice make sure it's something you really want to get and you're not going to look back at it and be like oh dude yeah look at i got this shitty tattoo from this time i was here and it may, could make for a cool story, but like I said, it's going to be on you for the rest of your life. So you just might yeah. want to tread light. I would say before you go, just take a look at Cody Rhodes' tattoo and just keep that in mind when you're making your decision yeah. about where placement is important, colors, Place. depending on what you do for a living. Like, you know, some people, some people are really lucky and they work in fields where it's really accepted, but there are other, you know, there are still places where people you know, look down on the tattoos and, you know, that's something to keep in mind. Um, I was going to say the other thing that, you know, I've thought about getting tattoos and uh, Betty Rebel has a bunch. And the last one she did, she did a multiple session kind of cover up on her arm. Um, don't cheap out on the tattoo. Yeah. And know who your artist is. And, and it's on Instagram now. You can see their stuff. You can go like feel comfortable with the artist that they're listening to what you want. Um, I think this is probably with any art where you're dealing with things like this, but certainly tattoos, like make sure they're like listening to you and they get what you want and you have a comfortable 
comfortable sense of their artwork and you've seen that they do really good work and yeah and also if you want like a particular style or something like that make sure the artist specializes it or can do it like there's no sense going to like a guy that does japanese traditional and you want a photorealistic tattoo you know like just make keep that in mind you know get a style if if you're wanting a style of something Find, find an artist to do that. Like Bobby said, there's so many people on Instagram that you can just look. I'm sure you can type in like, say for instance, realistic um, photos and you can get a guy that specializes in that. So my guy specializes in pretty much everything. So I lucked out on that. But do some research, uh, do your homework. If you don't like the artist's work, don't feel pressured and um, don't cheap out. Don't barter with your tattoo artist either. With well, the price is the price. And you want him to do good work because like I'm going to be on you for the rest of your life. Yeah, definitely. But at the same time, you know what I like about it is like you're getting closer to wanting a tattoo, which obviously means this isn't going to be like a rash decision. It seems like um, the, the Bullet Club por la vida. I mean. I do recommend maybe getting the Bullet Club symbol on your chest, though. Just. The Bullet Club symbol is pretty cool. Yes, yes, it is. So, but uh, that was our mailbag. If you would like to have any questions answered, advice given, or comments to be made, you can get at me on Instagram. That's Xander Hobbs, X A N D E R underscore H O B E S. Same thing on threads, even though I'm not on that as much. Bobby, where can they find you? WrestleOcalypse on the, uh, the Instagram machines. It's spelt like it sounds, but you know that because you're already listening. So this um, and we're moving on to the match of the week. This one was pretty crazy. I never seen this one Two of the best to ever lace them up. In a basement, so go figure. Yeah, we're going back to 1998 WWF's fully loaded and we have Owen Hart versus Ken Shamrock in the dungeon, the infamous Stu Hart dungeon that they had a match in what did you think about this since i i saw a highlight of this and i was like i got i had another thing for match of the week i was like i gotta put this on because this is different than what we've covered and it was it was like a little bit more gritty and organic so i don't know what your thoughts were on this okay so a couple thoughts was first off ken shanrock's fucking jacked <laughs> like um what i remember ken shamrock was like I remember him being really the first like mixed martial arts guy that they really marketed as like his his hands are deadly weapons and all of that stuff, right? Um, and I thought this was really cool because before that, they always made a big deal about the like the lineage of these really great traditional wrestlers who are now professional wrestlers, right? Yeah, that's kind of what the whole Owen Hart deal in the dungeon is. These guys. These guys were all great wrestlers first before moving to pro wrestling. Um, the other thing is like camera work better than anything AEW has going on. And they were in a fucking basement. So yeah, take some notes, guys. Um, That's not really saying much, though. But... No, it's not. But just like. I thought it also was like a good mix of like catch catch wrestling versus like they were still like doing the strikes, the wrestling strikes and yeah. stuff, but there was a lot of like technically correct catch wrestling. And it was, you know, overall, and I, I think it was yeah. What I was going to say too, is because like 
what reminded me of this though is because this match was a work shoot for those people that don't know the work shoot is like it's exactly what it says they're making making like it's a real fight but it's a it's really a work so if you want a more recent example of this you had that ronda rousey Shayna baszler match was which was just the drizzling shits so this was how you do that type of match i thought and that's why i put it on here i thought it was good for what it was um they don't bring these matches out too much i'm sure they don't anymore because they don't have access to the dungeon but i thought it was pretty cool thing to check out it was nice and organic and it looked real it looked like they were really fighting so i thought that was cool yeah i did too and just like you know just showing something different that's what yeah exactly but um, yeah, so check it out. You can check it out on Daily Motion or Peacock. That's where that's going to be at. Fully loaded, nineteen ninety eight. Owen Hart, Ken Shamrock. Do yourself a favor. Check it out if you want. If not, I couldn't give a shit. But yeah, uh, right. <laughs> what are you watching besides wrestling, though? All right. So we've been watching this show on Netflix called Glow Up. It's like a makeup show. Um, and it's pretty good because it's like a mixture. They do like kind of special effects makeup. They do really like artsy makeup and there has to do like really like the whole wide variety. And it's like, you know, like I've always said, I really like the shows that like people can express their creativity, the competition show kind of thing. So we've been watching that. We just started, we watched the first episode of, um, lessons in chemistry. It's on Apple. And it's um, I think it's with uh, Supergirl Brie Larson is your name. Oh, and it's based on a book. And it's basically about this, like, really brilliant chemist woman in the 1950s. And then she ends up becoming like a television cooking star. And there's like, obviously, there's a lot of other things that go on to it. But it's a really great period piece. Um, First episode was really good. We continue to watch The Great British Bake Off, which is in the midst of another season. Um, and then we're working through all the the Halloween seasonal shows. We're saving. We haven't watched it yet. We still have. So we have watched Little Shop of Horrors. We watched Halloween Town. Um, we're saving. Sophia wants to watch um, Nightmare for Christmas while we carve pumpkins, and then we still have Beetlejuice that has to be watched, and then Charlie Brown and the Great Pumpkin. So. All classics. Yeah, we'll be coming. We'll I'll be talking about those in the coming weeks. But yeah, the the Globe Show is cool. Um, and then yeah, and then football. Lots of football. Yeah, on this end, we've been doing Ink Master as usual. Um, now we're on to the males versus females, and then they have a special guest um, coach that comes in and works with the teams. So if the coach's team wins, that coach gets to go on to another feud for like $25,000, which is pretty cool. Um, new season of Kitchen Nightmares. That's always cool to see Gordon Ramsay and uh, fix up these old dingy restaurants that aren't doing shit right. And then Hell's Kitchen American Dream. It's the new Hell's Kitchen. So that's been pretty cool. And then I've been che- I checked out today Goosebumps on Disney+. Plus. That... I used to, it's a throwback to my childhood because I used to read the books and um, 
they it's interesting to see this new spin they put on i watched the first episode it's pretty good so it's got my attention so i'll be catching another few episodes while and we'll be talking about it in the upcoming weeks but that's about it for me yeah i had uh so today i did um we had a little bit of time to kill and i turned on disney plus started watching the treehouse of horrors oh those are always good they're always good and um that when you said goosebumps it made me remember that like yeah those ones are really good the halloween the halloween um tv is is good right now for sure yeah it's it's popping off so there's plenty of shit to watch so do you want to do the offsides of delay game first or the get rid of one we'll do get rid of one first because it's super fast and it's football related it'll get us it'll get our um our monkey brains going when it comes to the the gridiron. So this one is get rid of one. I'm talking about tight ends. Who are you getting rid of? As in, who do you think is the best? Of the best. The okay. Four, right. So first off, all things being transparent, I am not including Jason Witten in this. So I feel that one that would skew the results and I want it to be difficult. I want you to think about it. So are you getting rid of Tony Gonzalez? Are you getting rid of Antonio Gates. Are you getting rid of Rob Gronkowski? Or are you getting rid of Shannon Sharp? Oh man. Those are all how good. like how many great tight ends are there? Those are know? those are all really good ones. I think they all won titles. Not so, Antonio Gates. Not Antonio Gates, no. So Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates, Gronk, and Shannon Sharp. So yeah, who's yeah. the best out of all those? Yeah. They span different eras, but yet yeah. the tight end, I feel, is like the one position that is always like they all have similar skills. Some better it's always than others. A, it's always a bonus to have a good tight end, like a really good tight end. Um, well, I'm just going to be biased. And I'm going to pick Shannon Sharp because he was the most athletic out of all of them. I mean, Gates was good. I mean, they were all good. Don't they're don't, all great. They're, right. They're, they're right. all great tight ends. But I just personally like Shannon Sharp. And then plus like two. I mean, yeah, he just did everything. He moved like a wide receiver. That's why I dug him a lot because he could he could block, but then he could run routes while the other guys could. And Gronk was just a monster. So, but I think in the, when it all said and done, I think I liked Shannon Sharp the best out of all of them. I'm just going off personal taste. Yeah, and I don't know. If, I don't think Tony Gonzalez did. He end up winning a title in Baltimore. Was he on that team? I don't know. I don't think so. Don't we'll know. have to check it. We'll we'll have our we'll have stat boy check it out. Um. So my my thought process on this was like, you know, obviously because Kelsey's getting a bunch of 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 play and like the tight end has to me, the tight end was always what I could envision myself doing. Like I'm not really fast, but I have good hands, but I'm kind of big. So I can like get in people's way. Um, to me, Tony Gonzalez and Antonio Gates are the most similar. Cause there are like these we're basketball players who like were big enough and talented enough that we could make it in football. Yeah. And they were really great. And, and, but I think like that, that kind of puts them a, a slight step below the other two. Like you said, Gronkowski's a monster. You go and 
you look at like the social media clip reels of shit he did and you're just like what the fuck like no wonder when he retired tom brady went to fucking tampa bay like it was you know it's like he was really good but i agree with you to me it's like shannon sharp like broke the mold right and not only did he break the mold but it was exactly what they needed because on those denver teams it's like he was so key to their success i feel like in being able as a tight end to like block get off his block run the route you had a strong running game you had all these things so and i just think that like in today's nfl he, he it would be like a force multiplier yeah he would he, just be even better like he, with the rules now and everything uh, like he'd have so much success in today's nfl more success because he had a ton of success no right? that's what i mean he'd have like more yeah so no i agree with that but i just made it like i mean and here's the thing right like who is the best tight end ever ever dick Butkus? yes dick Butkus is that like the butt kiss was a linebacker oh that's right linebacker i'm sorry um the best tight end ever yeah i'm getting my name confused but I don't know, dude. That's a, that's an interesting one. Um, I mean, the Cowboys have had some good tight ends, but I don't know if I'd call them the best ever. Because um, Jay Novacek was really reliable. Same with Witten. But I'm looking up what's what the interweb says the best tight ends of all time, and they have the top four right here. Oh, I'm sorry, Ditka, Ditka, not Butkus. Mike Ditka played tight end. Yeah, right. Ozzie Newsome from the Cleveland Browns. Oh, the OG Kellen Winslow. Yeah. And then Jimmy, remember Jimmy Graham? Yeah. For Tampa Bay, right? Jimmy Graham was on the uh, Saints. Saints. That's yes, yes. He was like all athlete. Yeah. And then Zach Ertz was pretty good in his prime, even though he was a fucking eagle. Yeah, man, it is. It's crazy. But I feel like Pro Football Network agrees with Tony Gonzalez, Gronkowski, Gates, and Sharp. Like, yeah, th- those are the top on my list, and then it rounds out with Ditka, Jason Witten, Ozzie New- Newsom. So, yeah. So you had it. You had it pretty good. You had it pretty spot on. I love the tight end, man. I think it's like, and that was part of the things, like, you know, who it was Gronk. When Gr- it was Gronkowski and what uh, Aaron Hernandez was Hernandez. that his name? Yeah, the murderer. Aaron Hernandez. Like, just it was like, oh, you can't do anything to stop us. We've got. They were this- the ones because they were the ones that kind of revolutionized the two two tight ends with those two guys. I know Dallas tried to do it, but like they didn't have much success because of the lack of talent they have. Michael Bennett liked to drop a lot of balls. So, um, but. Hernandez and Gronkowski was just, I was just a pain in the ass to deal with. Yeah, man. And now like, we've got good tight ends. Like obviously Kelsey probably is now the best tight end in the league. And then Kittle probably. God, Kittle fucking killed us, dude. He he murdered us. Yeah. Uh, Kittle is a beast for sure. (laughs) But that's a nice segue into our offsides and delay of game. Yeah. We did pretty well last week, right? 
we did, and we're not talking about that Niners game. That shit's in the past. It doesn't done. Even exist it's done. Because um, despite the fact that we lost our pick, but we pushed the over-under, we will start off our recap in that we, we picked the Niners to beat the Browns. And in a glorious loss, the Browns' defense showed up, showed out. Bodies were bruised, right? What did Becky Lynn say? Weapons were used and bodies will be bruised. And McCat, like all their skill players ended up having to take it to take a rest. And the number one defense in the league ends up upsetting the Niners 19 to 17. The Niners were um, favored by nine and a half. We took the Niners in the over. Um, we pushed on the over under, but obviously the Browns winning. Uh, we lost that bet. But like we said, we did pretty well. So let's go back up to the top. Cowboys versus Chargers coming off of that. Um, Terrible showing. They 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 played marginally better enough to get the win over the Chargers. Ugly win, right? Ugly win. It's not good. That's not going to be good enough. That's no. not good enough. But we went two and zero on this. Dallas was favored by two. They won by three. The over under was fifty one, and they did not even come close. <laughs> Giants versus Bills. Oh man, this one I was watching early in the day. Giants were frisky. Bills were looking like they were going to drop the ball again, but unfortunately, Josh Allen is one of the top MVP candidates. They end up coming back. They end up winning nine to fourteen. We picked Buffalo with a fourteen and a half point spread. We did not win that one, but we did pick the under, which we did hit on. So. An ugly game picking the under worked out well for us. These Panthers Bills. versus Dolphins. This game also had me a little bit like I was like, what's going on here? I think they were down. I think Dolphins were down 14 points at one time. I was like, they what's were. going on? Yeah. But they ended up scoring 42, so it's okay. So Dolphins win 42 to 21. We took Dolphins on the 13 and a half points and the over at 47 and a half. Xander, I believe, said he felt they would get that on their own. They came up a little short with 42 points, but still good showing for a solid two wins for us. And lastly, we picked the Cardinals versus the Rams. The Rams continue their uh, surprising, I would say, play. Yeah. Um, They have like, I don't know if he's the oldest quarterback, but he's pretty close, I would imagine, starting quarterbacks. Stafford. Stafford. Yeah. And I mean, if... We take he probably has been sacked more than almost anybody because all those years in Detroit. But they were able to uh beat the lowly Cardinals. Uh we picked the Rams with the seven-point spread. The over-under was 48 and a half. We picked the under. Um, the total points were 35. So again, we did uh two wins on this for our weekly total this week of seven wins, two losses, and one push. Not and that's I mean, that's a pretty fantastic week. That's Not a- bad. It's a good We'd be making money there. Yeah. Last week we chose big spreads. This week there were so many small spreads. We're focused on those. Um, so let's just jump into it real quick then. So Falcons versus Bucks, Tampa Bay. It, it's at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is favored by two and a half, which basically to me means that they consider to pick them. The over under is 38. I think the Bucks are coming off a bye week. I'm not 100% sure on that. I think they, um, I think they played last week and they lost. Yeah, I think you're right. I think maybe they the bye week was the week before, but um, I watched the Falcons. I watched the Falcons 
and here's the thing that's weird. Like, how much stock do you put in their game against Jacksonville and London? Not a lot. Right? It's like, it's kind of such a weird game. And uh, I don't know. Like, they looked good. They looked like they had some talent. Jack Ritter is coming to knock on our door. <laughs> their quarterback. He He's those, it's like, he'll have, and that was the thing against Jacksonville. Like, he had a really good drive until he threw it away. It's like, or he couldn't get the pat, like all those things. So I don't know, but I believe in the Baker Mayfield show. I know the bucks still have talent left over from their championship season. Um, it is at home in the bucks uh, in Tampa Bay. So I'm going with the bucks and the under. Yeah, I'll do the same. All right. I don't like, I just feel like there's a lot of like looking at last week, man. There's just like a lot of like mid thirties total scores going on. Yeah, I agree. This one to me is like the most fascinating best. This is probably the game that I want to watch the most. And this is the lions versus the Ravens, both playing excellent football. Um, This This is the lions test. It is right. It's the, it's, and they have to go. They have to go into Baltimore. Not an easy field to play in or stadium to play in. No, no. Um, Baltimore is favored by three, which again makes it kind of feel like it's a pick Um, as much as I like the Lions, I think they're really good. I just feel that the Ravens get it done. I feel like a field goal is probably what it's going to separate them by. I'm going to take um, Baltimore and the under. I agree with that. I wonder how long it's like, you know, talking about Tua and if he stays healthy, how many, and we're going to talk about Dolphins in a second, but like what his stats would be. It's like, fuck dude, if Lamar Jackson stays healthy. Yeah. He's a stat machine when he's healthy. He is. He's just really good. No, I agree with that. This um, one's interesting. Um, the Browns versus the Colts. Both teams are not playing with their starting quarterback. Um, I believe Richardson's out for the season, and Deshaun Watson's got some more spas to go to. So I this is going to be a nasty game, but Cleveland's got it, the defense. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, man. It's like, if it's an ugly game, I'm going with the defense that only allows 200 yards a game. I picked picked the Colts in my other pick I think for your brothers, that he was asking my advice, and I picked the Colts, but I forgot about the Browns. But for here, I'm going to take the Browns in the under. Yeah, I mean... I think that's that's the move. And here's the thing, it's like... The Browns haven't played with Watson for weeks. I know. Like, this is a big change for the Colts. Their defense is carrying them. Well, I think Richardson's played for like, played like two games. So two to three games because he was out for a little bit. Right. So it's not anything new. And Gardner Minshew is serviceable, but I don't know if he's going to get past the Browns D because if they did that to San Francisco, then I don't know about the Colts. This game, though, I'm pretty excited about because this has some like conference or division implications 
and it's the Dolphins. Conference and division implications. Exactly. Um, also, the Dolphins have been tested because they have played the Bills. They right. did not. They did, did not do well. Pass. So I feel that they're going to be extra motivated. Um, I saw something. I think ESPN is trying to pump that there's like some rivalry from college of Jalen Hurts and Tua, but it's like nobody gives a shit about that. Nobody cares about that. Get the fuck out of here. No, what this is is like the Dolphins need to win to continue to assert their dominance both in their division and in the AFC because they want they want to play as many games as they can in Miami. Miami, yeah, they want home field. So they're going to be extra motivated. Um, they're fucking stacked. Their coach, I think their coach is probably on track for coach of the year at this point, assuming Tua stays healthy and they get to execute the game plans because 70 points, 42 points. I mean, their offense is crazy. I think Tua is tied in the lead for 14 interceptions, and I think he's got three or 14 touchdowns. I think maybe three interceptions. So yeah. the guy is like super productive. Entire kill can't be fucking guarded. Their their rookie running back is running well. So Eagles, obviously, they didn't get the job done when it mattered most, but they come off a great season last season, bring back a lot of people. Injuries aren't working out as good for them. Um, I think the long and short of it is I'm willing to be wrong, but I'm gonna be wrong on betting on the dolphins no i'm taking the dolphins on the over i am too i mean they might hit 52 points in the first half yeah both of them have pretty high powered offenses yeah and i think that both coaches and staffs are comfortable with like let's shoot it out and see who wins right exactly they actually have coaches that have a pair of balls unlike mccarthy yeah, and also aren't calling plays from 2011 with uh, prime Aaron Rodgers. But right. This game also super interesting because, as I alluded to you, the Vikings have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, I wouldn't call him one of the better ones, but he's <laughs> – He's pretty but the Niners certainly do. They've got Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy. Although it looks like what McCaffrey might play. McCaffrey I didn't check Samuel today's are like day to day. Day to day. I saw that they felt that McCaffrey's injury wasn't a long-term injury. Um, and I don't Samuel, so um San Francisco is favored by seven, but it's at the the Vikings. I don't know if, right, part of it is like, are the Niners coming out with heat because they just got beat by the Browns? Or is this a trend like, are they going to have a couple down games, they're going to need to get their guys healthy, and then they'll have a strong second half of the season? I think seven points is a pretty big spread on the road. Yeah, but Minnesota's terrible. I know, right? Isn't that the truth? <laughs> they're, they're pretty bad. So on um, that being said, I'm taking the Niners with the over. And the over is 52, right? You say you've got 44 right here. 44, okay. I'm double checking you to see if it's moved. Oh, it's a Monday night game too. It's a Monday night game. So yep, it hasn't moved. Seven spread seven over under is 44. 
The Vikings are two and four and they're 0 and three at home. Niners are five and one. They're two and one away. If I look at the stats, though, somehow Kirk Cousins, the Vikings quarterback, has thrown for six, 1,679 yards, only topped by Tua Tagovailoa. Yeah, he throws a lot because he has to. <laughs> they have no the sack. Other- the the season sack leader is. Danny Hunter with eight out of Minnesota. I'm keeping my pick the same. <laughs> and you're going to San Francisco in the over? Yeah. All right. I'll go for I agree. San Francisco in the over. I, I'm not a believer in Kirk Cousins. No, not at all. He's like a different. He's like Dak Prescott, but he's white. The only team that it would make sense for them to have tried to get Kirk Cousins in a trade would have been the Jets. Because he is an actual upgrade of their quarterback. Oh, yeah. He would be an up. I mean, anybody's an upgrade from Zach Wilson if we think about it. Like, he's pretty bad. Yeah. I heard they were going to work out Jeff George. He's still willing to come out and play. He's going to play? Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully we can match our total from last week because that's pretty good. We're in agreement. We are in agreement this week, which is also good. It's easier for me to tally them up. Right. But I feel good about it. We're taking the Bucks in the under, Baltimore in the under, Browns in the under, Dolphins in the over, and SF in the over. So sounds good to me. Let's rock and roll because that's about what we're going to listen to right now because it's time for walkout music. All right, what are you walking out to? Um, I tried to listen to your link, but it didn't click. Oh, all right. Let me see what's up real quick. You tell me what you're coming out to because yours looks your link looks nice. Yeah, so I've been listening to this band for a little bit off and on, but then I just took a deep dive into their discography. They're really fun. They're called Cannabis Corpse. They're a play from Cannibal Corpse, you know, and there's instead of their songs about you know, maiming and torturing people. They're about smoking weed. So this album is from, is called From Wisdom to Baked. And the song is called Pull the Carb. And you can listen to it right now as you pull the carb. Yeah, man, it's pretty cool. Like all their songs are like they have like a bunch of songs like after weed and stuff like that and kind of plays off Cannibal Corpse songs. So I think it's pretty funny and they're just a good band. They shred. So this will be another sweet, sweet addition to the Wrestleocalypse playlist. Yeah, man. And then uh, 
Mine is an old school. I wanted to bring, I don't feel like I've been carrying the hip hop mantle well enough this year. I feel like last year I had some really good hip hop tracks. So, you know, when I start thinking about early nineties, obviously West coast, all those things, Dre Snoop, but this one um, came up and I was like, Oh hell yes. And I think this is fitting because I think right now a lot of people feel this way. And uh, this one is from a band called public enemy on an album called fear of a black planet which is still a very prevalent fear and it's called fight the fucking power it's not called fight the fucking power i it's called fight the power but uh it's fucking fantastic and so we're gonna let's do it right now a good song it's a good the whole, album. Al- the whole uh, album is good you dude. know that's the first cassette that i bought like for those of you that don't know what cassettes are out there they're these things that you would put in like a tape deck and they'd play music and that was the first thing that's the first one i bought ever that's fucking awesome that is awesome but yeah 1990 um you know this was in the heated moments when Things like this needed to have parental advisory stickers on it and uh, fucking Chuck D and Flavor Flav. And, you know, I feel I'm not I don't know. I'm not a hip hop historian by any means, but, um, you know, I feel like they were just putting a harder edge on a lot of the stuff that was already going on, um, especially, you know. In the in the East Coast scene if you will but it's it's really good and obviously what chuck d has been playing with um the the uh the rage use the machine dudes yeah and then obviously flavor flav he he did his other things but he's still an icon this is still a great song they're still a dope band so you can find my track bobby's track the intro or the interlude and the outro on wrestle 2023 songs to swanton to that is on spotify you should get it download it and um you know keep listening to it because i had it on today and it's great yeah it is it's it's growing too um as we've been we've been more consistent with our recordings it grows because every one we get like four new tracks four new tracks four new tracks so um i think we're almost it's like between it's pretty close to four solid hours of ass kicking music nice across all genres um the name is fantastic uh everything about it is good so definitely check it out we didn't really have it inside the ring but i think this is a good opportunity we'll just take a quick few minutes before you sign off um you've been working out with our good friend uh from cornerstone fitness 
Yes, I have. I've lost five pounds, lost an inch off my waist. And uh, Scott Billington, you can also find him on Instagram on Cornerstone Fitness. Um, he's a great trainer. He knows how to do pretty much everything to any kind of body type. What do you do? Um, really good motivator. And it's cool. I've been looking forward to like the workouts and it hits you with something different every time what a good trainer does. And I've had some success so far and I'm just going to keep going with it. That's fantastic, man. Yeah, definitely. I love his content. A lot of it is sometimes it's not about like, you don't need the help with the, what exercise to do. You need the help with like to get up and do it, to be consistent. Or maybe you just have a question about your nutrition. He covers a lot of that in his content. He's been on here a couple of times. Always, you know, he just, he seems to care about his clients, mental health, physical health. Um, I do want to say before we sign off, that no matter how much you work out with Scott, you will never be able to throw me through the barbershop window. <laughs> we'll see about that. <laughs> well, we can't top that. Although if you get flexible enough, probably the super kick would be. Probably. That I have to, I'll, have to, I'll have to start watching that. Depends if I'm wearing jeans or not. Oh, are you going to thigh slap? <laughs> you got a thigh slap. <laughs> That's what I think too. You got a That's thigh slap. That's what I think too. But like you All said, right. can't top that. Yours truly, Xander Hobbs. Ours truly in this life, Bobby B. And we're always reminding you to show empathy, protect the environment and animals, and support the Wrestleocalypse. Booyakasha. It was words strung into sentences It was too 